And uh, there's a lot of different methods by which you can, thank you, Jordan, uh, by which you can brew um, coffee. Uh, obviously, you have your, your Keurig. Any Keurig fans in the house? Okay, there's a couple of you. How about uh, a good old standard drip pot? Now, maybe you have a fancy one that has like an alarm and, you know, all the bells and whistles and it starts, you know, while you're still sleeping and wakes you up in the morning and uh, all of that good stuff. But, uh, but we got a lot of drip fans in the house. That's good. Well, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a self, no, I'm not a self-proclaimed coffee snob. I've been told by many people I'm a coffee snob. And uh, so I just accept it. I just accept it. This is, this is who I am. Um, you know, a lot of things go into uh, to making good coffee, though. We've got a lot of methods up here. This is a Chemex. So if you're out there in the lobby and you're wondering what this is, it's called a Chemex. Because uh, if you didn't know, making coffee is a chemical reaction. And so, uh, so this is, this is a, a pretty neat way to do uh, coffee. I didn't bring out one of the pour-overs, but we do have uh, Hyro V60s. That's, what, that's how you do the pour-overs. Uh, who knows what this is? It's a little dirty. I'm not using this. But uh, this is a dirty French press. Um, there are a lot of different methods by which you can make coffee. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. There are so many more, I promise you. Uh, that we could get into here this morning. One of my personal favorites, though, is is the AeroPress, which is this little guy. So what happens is you have a basket here on the bottom. Uh, it's called the basket, and you put a filter in, and then you put your, your grounds in. Precisely, uh, I put in precisely 19 grams of, of uh, roughly uh, somewhat coarse, not fully coarse, not French press coarse, but on the way to coarse. Uh, I'd give you the number, but it wouldn't really make sense to you. So, because uh, you don't have my grinder. So, um, you know, here's 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 all of these things play together. All these things come together to make a great cup of coffee, right? So you've got to start with good water, okay? All right. So the first thing you have to do is start with with really good water. You got to make sure. Um, you, if you use filter water, that's ideal. If if you didn't know this, every single coffee shop in America has a filtration system uh, in, their, in their building, and that's, that's one of the most expensive parts about having a coffee shop, is you got to have a really good water filtration system. And so you got to start with good water. That's, that's the basis of your coffee. I mean, that's the liquid that you're going to be drinking, and so starting with good water is important. Um, the next step is starting with good coffee. So, so for me, I have a certain places that I go get coffee, and, uh, and we, use, uh, we use Methodical here, which is based out of Greenville, which is a phenomenal uh, roastery there in Greenville. And so you gotta, you got to have good water, you got to have good coffee, but then you got to be able to grind it really well, okay? So, so a normal pump grinder or, or you know, just ground coffee, in, ground, ground coffee in the store is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that it's ground for specifically drip coffee. And so if you're trying to do something other than drip coffee with your, with your you know, pre-ground coffee from the store, then you're actually going to get a different product. And so, uh, so you got to grind. This is a burr grinder, which means there's no blades involved. It's all gears that crunch together and, and you know, crunch the, the coffee down to a certain level. Um, and so here's what happens. You, uh, for the AeroPress specifically, you put your, your coffee in there. You go ahead and pour it. And I, d I didn't flip it over, so it's actually not going to make the, the best cup at this point. But uh, we're going to do it anyways. So it usually leaves it sitting, flipped over for about three minutes. Uh, but here, here's something that's important, I think, with coffee. All of these things, you know, you've got your, you've got your French press here, 56 grams of coffee. 
uh, you've got your Chemex here. Uh, it's about it's about 42 grams of coffee. You've got your uh, your AeroPress is about 19 grams of coffee. You can do all the things. You can have the right water. You can you can have the right coffee. You can have the right apparatus by with by with uh, which to make coffee. But if you don't weigh it right, right? If you don't if you don't weigh it correctly, then you're gonna get something that's that's not good. You're gonna get something that doesn't taste great. Because you got you gotta have the correct weight. So I could take this and I could put, you know, I could I could put the the 42 that's supposed to go in my Chemex and I can put that in here and it's gonna give me a very different flavor than than if I were to do it the the appropriate way. So in a lot of ways, it's about the water, it's about the apparatus, it's about the coffee, but it's also about the weight. It's also about how much it actually weighs whenever you put it together. We started the series the last week called Soul Detox, and I explained that as, as much as I thought that this was an original idea from, from the old nog here, it was actually, it's actually been done, and it's been talked about, and there's even a book written by, about it. So, um, so we're, we're kind of leaning into that. Pastor Craig Groeschel from Life Church in Oklahoma, phenomenal church, and they put out a lot of resources and material available for churches all over, and so we're going to borrow some of their themes as they line up with um, the direction that we're going in the series. But last week we made the assertion that, that we are, uh, in and of ourselves, we are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. All right, this is the idea, this idea and thought is key and it will drive us through the rest of this series. Without the base, this basis of knowledge and understanding, uh, without that, uh, then, then none of this is going to make much sense. Pardon me, I have to press this. Press. It's going to make a great sound. That's, that's, why, that's why I do it right there. I live for that sound. So I'm going to come back to the coffee, I promise. I'm, not, I'm really not just, you know, entertaining myself up here. All right. So here's the difference on these two thoughts. All right, we're... we're uh, a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. Here's, here's, the, here's the difference on these two thoughts about our souls. Our bodies are temporary, all right? They're temporary, and, and they, are, uh, they are a vessel for earth. They're, they're something that brings us here, and they're going to return to the earth while our souls are going to live on for eternity, okay? Our souls are going to live somewhere for eternity. Whether you know and trust Jesus and, and your soul lives in heaven with God or whether you do not know and trust Jesus and your soul lives for eternity in hell, we are, we are presented with these two options in Scripture. We talk a ton in this world and in this culture about our body health, about detoxing and keeping our bodies clean and, and healthy and, and operating good. And that's fantastic, but what we're talking about over these next weeks is our soul health. All right, we need to start detoxing our souls, and we can start pushing out some of the negative toxins so that God can replace them with holy things and things of eternal importance. Last week, we talked about the restless soul. The restless soul. So many of us have, I believe, restless souls. I challenge you to do something this week to find your rest in God and God alone. I asked you to attempt to stop, to, to be still, and, and to listen to what God would have to say to you in those moments. I asked you to, to, to just try to give five minutes. We even gave you a head start last week. We started with five minutes of silence here in this room where we were just quietly and silently reflecting on our God. 
taking some time to listen to that still small voice, taking some time to, to meditate right here in this theater. How many of you found that difficult to do this week? Let me see some hands. All right, good. Thank you. I appreciate your, your honesty. And if you didn't do it at all, you could have popped your hand up because that would have mean you found it difficult to do as well. That's why it's so important that we do it. If we have, church, if we have a hard time finding and setting aside just five minutes a day to be quiet and still before the Lord, then that makes this of utmost importance. That means this is all that more important for us to actually figure out how to do this. Because if we can't, then I, I think as believers, we're more in trouble than I even realized. How can we hope to reach a lost and dying world with the love of Jesus if we can't even make the time to be still and listen to God, to meditate on his goodness? How can we do that? I don't, I don't think it's possible. God can work through us, but. So here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to spend a few moments talking about the heavy soul. A heavy soul. Because I believe in a room this size, I know that there's some people in here that, are, that have heavy souls this morning. And I came to share with you for a few moments about what that heaviness looks like and where it comes from and what we are to do about it. Because you see, when stuff is weighing us down, when stuff is weighing us down, then the end product is not good. Right? When I add too much coffee to this AeroPress, I'm going to get a bad product. The outcome is going to be not something that I want to drink, not something that I want to have in and around my body. I was reading some articles over this last week in preparation for the message, and, and, and these are things that I more or less know, but, but I was still astounded to kind, of, to kind of put these ideas and numbers together. And I'm not going to give you all the numbers or anything like that, but, but these studies basically show that our, our generation, or, or should I say, I guess, my generation, um, the, the millennials, as it were, is, is the most chronically depressed generation than ever before. Jordan, may I move this? Sweet. I didn't know if it was like stuck here for a reason. I don't think I can move this. I'm going to leave it here. Yeah. How about I just do a thing here? Cup holders are great for microphones. They double as microphone holders, apparently. We found this out since we've moved into the theater. Sweet. Now I can see the people over here without having something in my eyes other than lights. I was astounded to know these numbers. Okay, so, so this generation, this, this millennial generation that, that, that is, that's out there right now, this is your, this is your, your average uh, like, like 23 to, to, to 33, 34, 35-year-old, depending on who you go by. Uh, so this is your average like just like end of college, just got, got out of college into those young adult, uh, young family years. This is the most clinical, I'm not talking about clinical depression here. I'm not talking about heavy clinical depression, but the most uh, consistently, chronically uh, mild depressed generation than ever before. All right. Deep clinical depression is another thing. It's a very important issue. In fact, I would recommend if you feel like that's something that you deal with, come talk to me or someone else if you're experiencing uh, something that's like deep, deep rooted depression. Uh, because that's not something to mess around with. That's not something to idly go through life with. And if you're uh, thinking of, of self-harm, go talk to somebody. I, I encourage you. But what we're talking about here is actually uh, the term that's used here is persistent depressive disorder. Persistent depressive disorder. And what I'm talking about are people that are just 
all the time constantly live with the heaviness of, so, of their soul. Like, it, it appears for a lot of people, like, they can't even put their finger on it, right? They can't even, like, say what it is. Whenever you try to ask them, they try, you try to they get them to articulate what's going on in their life. They can't put their finger on it. It's not like something's really wrong, but something isn't quite right. A girl in one of the articles said it this way. She said, I, I didn't feel unloved. She came from a good family. I didn't feel unloved. I just felt numb to the world. Like I was surrounded by great things, but I couldn't be happy. And I didn't know why that was. And here's the thing. You would think that we're a generation of people who have so much more to live with and, and so many great things, and yet there's this, there's this ever-present dissatisfaction. It's a longing for something more. There's a lack of hope, and there's a lack of faith, and, and, and there's just a, a, not a lot of optimism. And it just seems like we're really just existing uh, here in this world, in, in this life, and we're not really making a big contribution. And for so many people, there's this heaviness of the soul. If that's you in here, if you feel this heaviness, like, like your soul is just heavy. Even right now as I'm talking, you feel like it's even getting heavier because I'm hitting on something. Maybe you haven't been diagnosed but, but with, with mild depression or per persistent depressive disorder, but maybe, maybe that sounds like something that you deal with. You can rest assured that it didn't start with you. Not only that, but, but this soul heaviness has been around since the days of David in the Bible. I want to read our, our passage for this morning. We're going to jump around a lot, but the passage that we're going to sit on for just a moment, and I really want you to, to think about, we're going to weave it back in throughout this entire gathering time, what's left of this gathering time, is, is Psalm 42. I don't read the whole thing, and then, uh, and then I'm just going to kind of touch on it for a minute, and again, it's going to weave back in and out as we go Go throughout Psalm 42 as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants, uh, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them into, in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your, all your breakers and your waves had gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries, they taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. Man, I love, I love David so much. A man after God's own heart, God himself says, and he was like us. He struggled. He struggled. The struggle was real with David. He felt the heaviness. He felt the weight. He felt the burden deep in his soul. Are you heavy? 
Are you burdened? Do you feel this weight? Are you worried? Are you upset? So was David. Just, just read through any of the Psalms. It doesn't have to be this one. All, all over the Psalms, there's evidence of this. It's not all deer and streams and praises in every single Psalm. All right? If you haven't read it, you should go back and look at it. David deals with some dark stuff. Some of his Psalms are called laments, all right? which is basically, this means a passionate expression of grief. They're laments directed to God. He yells at God. God, where are you? Do you see what's happening to me? My soul is in turmoil. God, where are you? But God is God, and he's the good father, and guess what, church? He can handle your stress, your fears, your frustrations, your anger. God can handle that. He says, cry out. You're stressed, cry out. You're worried, cry out. You're frustrated, cry out. Your soul is depressed, unhappy, heavy, cry out. God is big enough. He can handle it. I would go so far as to say that God would want that because he wants all of us, okay? He wants every bit of us, even our deepest, darkest places. You got to understand, God already knows what's going on in your life. He already knows the deepest parts of your, parts of your heart. He wants us to tell him. He wants us to, to let it out. I think it will be lying and deceptive to bottle up those emotions and withhold them from our God. Read the Psalms. So much great stuff there. Read the Bible. So much great stuff there. So here we go. I think there are three main reasons that lead us to having a heavy soul. And again, I'm not generally a three-point preacher, speaker, pastor, whatever. Uh, There are many Sundays where there really isn't a number point at all. And so that drives note-takers crazy. Um, But for this topical series, I'm going to help you note-takers out. We're going to do three, and then we're going to do something else, and then we're going to come back and do uh, uh, kind of an adverse three. So write down this first one. Our souls are heavy with yesterday's pains. Is that what that says? Yes. Our soul is heavy with yesterday's pains. So many things in our past affect our future, or affect our, our present and our future, right? Let me, let me read this out of uh, Lamentations. Jeremiah says this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. It is, it is, it is coupled over, it is doubled over within me, my soul is. I'm guessing there are a lot of you. There's a current heaviness on your soul because of a past hurt, a past pain, something that that you can't get rid of, you can't shake it. You try to forgive and forget, but the forgetting is hard. You've had a friend, a confidant who lied to you or let you down. Maybe your spouse betrayed you, betrayed your trust in some way. You were wrongly let go from a job. You, You had an opportunity and you didn't do it, and now you regret it, and you keep thinking, what if? What if I had done that? What if I had gone through with what I was supposed to go through? You, you said something you shouldn't have said, and now all you can do is wish you could take it back. Somebody did something to you that, that you wish they hadn't done. You've got a present heaviness based on a past hurt, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to push you a little bit today to be really transparent before God because I believe God wants to do a healing work. How many of you in the safety of, of this theater this morning would say, yes, there is sometimes I do have a heaviness of the soul because of something that happened in the past? Who would say that? 
Look at those hands. How comforting it is to know that you're not alone. How comforting it is to know that you're not alone in this. All right, you're not by yourself. We tend to think our hurts and our pains and our heaviness is isolated. We tend to think that it's just us. We tend to think that nobody else can relate to what we're going through, that, that we just have to deal with this stuff, and so we, we keep it to ourselves. But all of us, many of us, just raised our hands in this room saying, and we're telling everybody else, hey, hey, you're dealing with something, so am I. Me too. That's part of the reason why we're here so that we can say me too to each other. Hey, you're struggling, so am I. You're dealing with a past hurt, so am I. Your soul is heavy, same. You have past hurts that cause current heaviness, we're in this together. That's why it's so important. That's, why we're, that's one of the reasons why we're here. And, and as I'm talking, I'm not going to go into all the scenarios because you know the scenarios. You know the past hurts that are causing current pains that are causing current heaviness. But it's not just yesterday's hurts that cause heaviness. It's also today's troubles. Number two, you can write this down. Our souls are heavy with today's troubles. Job, who went through an excruciating ordeal in Scripture. If you ever want to feel better about your life, just read a little bit out of Job. Because homeboy went through a lot. I don't, I don't know how he came out the other side, but he did by the grace of God. Job 4, 5 says, but now it, which he's talking about trouble, and he's referring back to trouble he already, so, so but now trouble has come to you, and you are impatient. It touches you, and you are dismayed. Troubles are going to come. They're going to come fast. They're going to come suddenly, without warning. And they're going to hurt. And there's so many of us right now that are going, something going on. There's something going on in your life. And you're thinking, man, I really didn't see this coming. I didn't expect my washer to go out. I didn't expect my roof to start leaking. Why does my car constantly have to break down? How could, have I, how could I even have began to prepare for, for my loved one to have cancer? How does, one, how does one prep for the loss of a friend? My, my, how, what do I do when my child is, is turning from the Lord and running in the other direction? Current troubles present situations. <laughs> we say, you know, God, this wasn't on my five-year plan. I didn't have this on my list of things to do this week. How do I deal with this? It just leads to a heavy soul. I don't need these troubles right now, God. How can I be an effective minister of the gospels with these troubles looming over me? That's one that I've used before. This is real life, church. I mean, this is, real, this is real stuff. This is real life. This is what we deal with. This is the human experience. Love, loss, pain, troubles. They're going to happen. They're going to come. And then there's this heaviness that sets in. 
when we're not prepared, when we're not ready, when we're not expecting. There's this heaviness of our soul that sets in. There's something going on right now, and it's weighing my soul down. And in fact, again, I'm just going to ask you to help push. Uh, I want to push you for transparency before God. How many of you, you have something going on right now in your life that's giving you a heaviness of a soul, a burden, a concern? How many would say that? Again, we're not alone. You're not alone in this. See, a lot of us can admit to past hurts. We can admit to yesterday's pain because it's past. But a lot of us have trouble admitting that we're struggling with something right here, right now, in the present. That today, I'm hurting. Today, something's got me. Today, I need help. I need prayer. I need love. I need mercy. So yesterday's pain, today's troubles, number three. The third thing that helps that causes heaviness in our souls that I want to touch on this morning is it's called anxiety. It can also be described as fear and worry. Our souls are heavy with tomorrow's unknowns. Our souls can be heavy with tomorrow's unknowns. Yesterday's pains, they, they leave a lasting mark. Today's troubles, those are, those are right here in front of our faces. Tomorrow's unknowns. For a lot of people, that's, that's one of the worst. That's one of the worst. Listen, that isn't what I went through, and, 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 and if, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't just what I had to go through to get here, if it wasn't what I'm going through right now, but, but now my mind has to worry about what the future holds too, how difficult is that? How heavy of a burden can that be on our, on our souls? We wonder how we're going to make it through what is still to come. If, if, the, if the previous 20, 30, 40, 50 years of our lives is any indication, how am I going to make it to the end? How am I going to finish and, and hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant? How am I going to run that race with excellence? If I'm, if I'm going to constantly have this heavy soul, How are we going to pay the bills when our debt is rising and our bank account is shrinking? How are we going to get it all done with the kids, three kids running around the house going wild and crazy? How, what, what if my business lays me off? What if the economy tanks again? What if one of us gets sick? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? We read a passage a few weeks ago. We talked about the garden Gethsemane. We're in a series called uh, Journey to the Empty Tomb, and we talked about when Jesus was there in the garden. I hope you remember. Um, remember that Jesus, in those moments, he had some angst, right? He had some, he had some anxiety. He had some, 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 some fear, even as he looked ahead. There was a moment when he, when he looked ahead to the pain that he would endure. Right? He looked ahead to the moment where, where he became sin for us, and he knew what that pain would be. And, and it says this. I want to read this out of Mark 14 because we related to David, but, but now let's relate to Jesus for just a second. He took, him with Peter, uh, he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Man, could those two words describe anybody in here this morning? Distressed and troubled. Maybe not right now, maybe not in this moment, but you know tomorrow morning going back to work, you're going to be distressed and troubled. 
You know, the next time you have a family gathering and you meet up with, with, your, with your relatives, you're going to be distressed and troubled. You know, the next time you have to balance your checkbook, for those of you under, like, 25, that's where you open up a checkbook and you go to the back and you put in all the numbers of things that you spent. You're going to be distressed and troubled. Jesus was distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And then he, then he goes a little further and he fell on the ground and he prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Another, another uh, gospel says the cup would pass from him. God, if this is possible, take this cup from me. There's angst. Remove this cup from me. Not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, he felt it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. How incredible is it that our God would put on a body like ours and come to this earth and experience the things we experience so that when we're dealing with something, when we're dealing with, with struggle and with stress and when our yesterdays are creeping into our souls and our todays are troubling and our tomorrows are worrisome and we feel like we're all alone, Jesus himself puts his hand up and says, me too. I'm there. Same. I've done it. I felt it. I've experienced it. I'm with you. I don't know. It's just so incredible to me that our God would do that because he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He never had to feel that. But he chose to. You know, one of the things I love about coffee is, is that it's, it's always different. Each and every cup, honestly, is a little different. Some have bold flavors. Some are a little lighter. Each cup is unique. You see, one small deviation from the recipe makes, uh, makes a slightly different chemical reaction resulting in, a, in a, a slightly different taste. There's also things that I could do at every juncture that would have a more significant impact on the coffee. Right? I talked about all the different things, the water, the beans, the, the grind. One of the things that I could do is, is if I did make it too heavy, while preparing the beans, you know, if I were if I were doing my AeroPress here and I went too heavy on the beans and, and I, I just put in way too much, what taste do you think you would be left with? Bitterness. That's a fair one. You'd be left with a lot of bitterness, right? You see, if we allow our souls to remain heavy, if we allow the heaviness to set in and take root, it will lead to bitterness. It will lead to sour, unappetizing, unappealing souls that you won't even recognize after a while. You'll look in the mirror and wonder, who is this face staring back at me? But church, you don't have to live with a heavy soul. You don't have to live with a heavy soul. We're going to pause. It's kind of different. We're going to pause right here in the middle of our, of our, of our message, of the sermon. And we're going to have a time of prayer. Now, every Sunday morning, we, we dedicate some time to praying because we feel like God has, God has created us to be dedicated to worship, prayer, and the word. And so we want to make sure that prayer is, is, a, is a cornerstone of what we do here on Sunday morning. Prayer is not something that we pass, pass by or glaze over or just happens in between songs, beginning and end. No, prayer is, is, is just as important as, as what we're doing, going through the word, just as important as when we lift our hands and worship. Prayer is, is so vital. 
to the life of this church. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. We're going to have a time of elder-led prayer. So the elders are going to come down. They're going to kind of be sort of here and I think there. And If you've not been here when we've done elder-led prayer, this might seem a little weird, a little different. Usually people only come down at the end, right? And, um, you know, a lot of times, like, eyes are closed and people are doing different things. But Scripture says, if there's any among you sick, let them come to the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil and pray over them. That's not a weird verse. I mean, that's the Bible, right? I mean, that can happen. Our God is a big God. He can He can make that happen. He can heal. But but we're going to go beyond that, not just like physical healing. If you're ailing with something, if, if you've got a physical condition, if something's going on, if you've got, a, if you've got an impending surgery, if you've got a, a diagnosis you're waiting to hear back from, if there's something going on, then absolutely this is your time to come and pray in these next moments. But I'm going to offer other healing, a healing of the soul. If you're dealing with the restless soul, what we talked about last week, if you're dealing with the heavy soul that we've been talking about here this morning. You just want somebody to pray for you. There's nothing weird about that. You're just, you're just asking a couple of guys to intercede on your behalf, to go to the Lord on your behalf and just to pray over you. I think it's so important that when you're going through these things, when you're struggling with these things, that you don't keep it to yourself. Talking to God is of utmost importance, but, but scripture also tells us to confess to, to God and one another. Now, these might not be sin areas. These, these might not be sin issues. You may have nothing to do with what actually brought up the, the, the heaviness that you're dealing with right now. It could be completely outside sources. But regardless, sharing those with somebody, speaking those into the atmosphere, you're entrusting that God's going to do a work. You're trusting, hey, I'm putting this out there because I believe that God can fix this. God can take this and make it beautiful. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have just some, some time here, um, and we're going to open it up. We're going to ask you, if, if you want to come, you can come down. We've got uh, elders on both sides that would love to pray for you, pray over you. Again, it's nothing weird. They're just going to, to lift you up in prayer. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's thinking, oh, what are they going down there for? Because earlier we all raised our hands. Almost every one of us raised our hands for something. Whether we were struggling with yesterday's uh, pains or we're struggling with today's troubles or we're worried about the future, we're all worried and we're all struggling and we've all got something going on. I would be willing to say almost every one of us in this room probably has or has had a heavy soul at one point in time. So let's take some time and let's allow God to work. Let's invite God to, to work in our hearts and in our lives. Let's uh, come down if you, if you want to come down. And then uh, while that's going on, you, you feel free to, to receive communion. If, if you should, should, should so choose. And Jordan is actually going to sing, um, during this time, he's also going to sing a song based out of Psalm 42 as well uh, that many of you may be able to relate to. So if you're not going to come down and you're not going to ask for prayer, just sit and meditate on these words uh, as he's going to sing in just a few moments. So uh, you're welcome to come now.
the tide And a flight is welling up behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry And ask me where's your God And they ask me where's your God So why are you downcast, oh my soul Why so disturbed within me I can remember when you showed your grace to me as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And as I behold your beauty, you so faithfully renew, like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied. In you, when I'm staring at the ground, it's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. So it's time to lift my brow and remember better days. When I love to worship you in all your ways, the sweetest songs of praise. So why am I downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your grace to me. As the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And as I behold your splendor, you so faithfully renew like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied in you. Let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness. Let my pain reveal as, your, as my only real rest. Let my loss show me all I truly have. Is you Cause all I truly ever have Is you So when I'm drowning out at sea And your breakers and your waves Crash down on me I'll recall your safety scheme Cause you're the one who made the waves And your sign went out to suffer in my place 
And to tell me that I'm safe. So why am I down? Why so disturbed? I am satisfied in you. I'm satisfied in you. I am satisfied in you. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. I love this. David has a heavy soul, but he basically starts preaching at it. Right? He's got a heavy soul. Why are you downcast? Why, why am I feeling this way? But then he starts to preach at it. I said, I said last week, I, it, please feel free to talk to your soul. All right, To talk to your soul, to, to lay down the law for your soul, just like David is doing. Preach to your soul in your times of heaviness. And I believe that, that with the power of God on our side, we, be, we can begin to heal those unhealthy souls. Starts to preach at his soul. Why are you downcast? Hope in God. Why are you in turmoil? Let's praise him. He's my salvation. Preaches at his soul. I love it. So quickly, three things I want to challenge you to preach to your souls in light of these three things that we covered at the beginning, in light of these three things that make them heavy. Three ways to preach to your soul. Number one, tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness yesterday. We focus a lot on yesterday's troubles, on yesterday's pains, on yesterday's hurts, but remember God's faithfulness yesterday. When you're tempted to look back at the hurts of the past, the pains of yesterday, train your mind to stop, preach to your souls, and shift gears, and call to mind the faithfulness of God in the past. Earlier I read a few verses from, from Lamentations that pointed to our past hurts, but let me read a little bit more for context out of that passage. And so you can see where Jeremiah shifts gears here. He says, remember, we read this before, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. All right, that's what we read. He goes on. But... This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Come on, church, what a passage. Verse 21 changed everything. It changed the whole perspective. It changed his way of thinking. It changed uh, his feelings, and it lifted some of the heaviness from his soul. My soul was wrecked, but... Then I remember God's faithfulness. My soul was in turmoil, but then I remembered God is so faithful each and every day. His mercies are new every morning. Take just a moment with me while I'm talking to recall a moment in your past where God delivered. You were in trouble. You were lost in sin. And then God showed up and he rescued you. 
or you're in the midst of a big decision and then God directed you what to do or you were trying to understand a great tragedy and then God comforted you. God has been so faithful in the past and that should go, that should, that should absolutely help relieve some of yesterday's heaviness in our current situations. There's a song that means a lot to me. It's called uh, Do It Again by Elevation. And um, I, think we're, I think we might be doing it next week. I thought I saw it on the set. Was it next week? Yeah, next week. So uh, we've done it before, but um, I think last year, Jen and I had to walk through one of the most difficult seasons that, that we have as a married couple. Uh, there were some months of fear, frustration, uncertainty, questioning God, trying to understand, lamenting, crying out before the Lord. But this song... Every time I listen to it, it brought me back to all the times that God has been good and faithful in the past. The song says, uh, I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. We look at the past hurts in our lives as mountains that cannot move. We look at those past hurts as as mountains that are steadfast, that are always going to be there. They're always going to be affecting us. They're always going to be casting a shadow on our, on our present and on our, on our future. They're destined to shape our lives forever and our futures until the day we die. But God, God doesn't think those mountains are immovable objects. God doesn't think that those mountains are going to be there forever. God doesn't think those mountains have to be there forever. God has moved mountains, and he will move them again. Whatever pain you're carrying from yesterday, let God move that mountain away from you. Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness yesterday and to help your soul today. Tell your soul, just as Jeremiah did, just as David did, recall what God has done in your life. It's a simple thing, but a powerful thing. Number two. We're running low on time. Here we go. Number two, tell your soul to cry out to God today. Tell your soul to cry out to God today. We've already hit this a little, but cry out to God. He's ready, and he can take it, all right? It says in Psalm 142, another psalm that I really love, uh, with my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. Remember, God can handle it. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. When uh, In the path where I uh, walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains in me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Cry out to God. He already knows the depths of your soul, so why not convey what you're really feeling? Be honest. I mean, just tell him how you feel. Don't hold back. I'm confused. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm afraid. I don't understand, God. Why is this happening? Be honest with God. He can handle your honesty. He already knows your heart anyways. He says this, cast your cares on me. Why? Because he cares for you specifically and individually. So cast your cares. Yell them. Scream them. Whatever it takes to convey them. I went to a King's uh, Kaleidoscope concert in Charlotte this week. 
You might not know who they are, but uh, it's uh, this band. We do some of their songs even here at Legacy City. They're a former March Hill worship band, and now they kind of just travel and do the music scene. And um, They write incredibly scripturally based songs uh, for the most part. And um, imagine my surprise uh, about a year and a half ago uh, when they released an album that carried the FCC explicit label. All right, this is a, I mean, we do some of their songs. They, they, they rewrite hymns. Uh, they actually don't rewrite. They just reimagine hymns. I mean, they leave the lyrics the same. We've, again, we've done some of their hymns and, uh, and some other stuff. And so the reason why they got the explicit label is because there's one song on the album where they drop the F-bomb a couple times. Say a bad word. The song is called A Prayer. And it was taken right out of the lead singer, Chad. It was taken right out of his personal journal. It's one of the most intense and relatable songs I've ever heard. He did an interview about the song, and I just wanted to share an excerpt here. They asked him basically, why, why, why A, uh, did you write this song, and why B, did you think it was okay to to put this on your, your album that also has other you know, worship songs on there. It says, the short answer is, that song comes from the deepest part of my gut and my being. I think he would probably say his soul there. And the fear that I face throughout my life, I have had really severe anxiety disorder my whole life. It's been a major part of my struggle and story. That song is about the fear of running from God or that God will turn his back on me and I'll end up apart from him in hell. And the actual lyric is something that is from my journal. I don't know how everyone else has conversations with God, but I have very vulnerable conversations with God. And God already knows how afraid I am. I, figure, I usually figure it's good for me to pour out my soul to him. And that's what this song is. Pour yourself out to God. Look, I'm not going to stand here and tell you to cuss at him or anything like that but also in good conscience cannot stand here and say that I haven't done just that. He can handle it. He's God. He wants every bit of you. He wants you to pour out your soul to him. Be honest, be open, be transparent before the Lord. If you can't do it before people, at the very least, do it before the Lord. He already knows what's hiding in the depths of your heart and what's weighing your soul down, so why not tell him how you feel, and start the healing process. Number three, tell your soul to trust in God's plan for tomorrow. Tell your soul to trust in God's plan for tomorrow. This is so easy, so much easier said than done, right? I know you're thinking, like, that's an easy thing for you to say, but I have anxiety, I worry, I'm afraid. One of the most overused and misrepresented scriptures in the Bible. Yeah, you guys can move that, cool. Uh, one of the most overused and uh, misrepresented scriptures in the Bible uh, we're going to share right now, uh, out of context, but I'm going to give you the context because that's important. Um, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Many of you probably already know this verse. You have it like on a notebook or on a pen or on a bumper sticker somewhere. Uh, you know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Your version may say it. A little differently, whatever you memorize it in may say it a little bit differently. It might say plans to prosper you, something along those lines. So I think the truth remains, God does have a plan for us. God does want to see 
our good. He wants to see good come out of our lives. He wants to see his glory more than anything else come from our lives. So I think there is a plan there. He does have a plan for us. But you see, in this situation, in this circumstance, the Israelites were in captivity. He's telling them this in the midst of their captivity. All right, captivity, you know, that means they're slaves. They're in bondage. They, they have no freedom. They're, they're not their own people. They're being forced to do uh, to do the, the the to live the culture of another of another society, and they're going to be in captivity for about seventy years. We read this verse and we're like, man, God has plans for me. He's going to prosper me. He doesn't want to see bad stuff happen to me, and I'm going to believe that. And then tomorrow, the world comes crashing down, and we're like, what happened, God? What about this verse? They were going to be in captivity for 70 more years, but God says, trust my plans. You see, if you let go of tomorrow, if you stop worrying about it and give it to God, it frees your soul up. It takes some of the heaviness away. Trust him with your tomorrow. Trust that he will get the glory from whatever happens and you don't have to worry about it. It's not saying don't plan and all that kind of stuff. You guys know what I'm I'm getting at. We have to free up our souls. Right? We have to take the heaviness away from our souls. We have to lift that. All of these things, guys, all of these things, God did not, does not want us to live with restless and heavy souls. He wants our souls to just be fully committed to him, looking at eternal things. Guys, we are, we are made alive in Christ. He did not make us alive in Christ so that, we could, so that we can live in chronic depression. He didn't. I believe that. Can we stop bad things from happening? No. Can I explain why bad things happen? I can't. I have a couple of thoughts from Scripture, but I can't. Guys, this is the, the human experience. We're going to experience these things. We're going to feel these things. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna live these things. And, and what we need to do in these next moments is we just need to commit to saying, you know what, I'm not going to live that, that lifestyle anymore. I'm not going to let my soul remain heavy anymore. I'm going to tell my soul, soul, it's time to get out of this funk. It's time to move beyond. It's time to, to go somewhere else. It's time to allow God to guide us and lead us in the right direction. We are made alive in Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song called Made Alive. This is a celebration because this doesn't have to be a heavy sermon because this, we, we're not designed to live with the heaviness of our souls. We can get past it. We can move beyond it. So I'm going to pray over us, and I want you to sing and celebrate as we close out this morning. God, we love you, and we thank you so much. And even though there are times in our lives and in our, uh, in our, in our existence where, where we lament, where, where we're angry, where we're upset, where we're, where we're devastated by something um, tragic or bad or frustrating or uh, whatever that's happened in our lives, even though there are times where... Um, we come before you and we're, we're, we're just, we can't, even, we can't even articulate what we need to say. We're so upset with our circumstances. God, we thank you that you're big enough and you can handle it. Thank you that you want all of me, every part of me, the darkest parts of me you want. Thank you that I can bear them before you. I can 
lift these up to you. God, I pray that in these next moments as we, as we sing praises, as we lift your name high, God, I pray that you would be moving and working in this place, that you would be speaking into the depths of our souls, that, that in these next moments we can feel release. The heaviness will begin to lift and we'll begin to just trust in you a little bit more. We'll begin to believe in you a little bit more. We'll let go of the hurts from yesterday. We'll start uh, looking beyond the troubles of today and we won't, won't worry about the fears of tomorrow. Because you've got this. You're God. You've got this. You love us. You care for us specifically and individually. And you've got this. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. We're so excited about what you're going to do in our lives and how you're going to how you're going to completely, radically change our souls over these next weeks as we study this word some more. In Jesus' name, amen.